Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, Philip. How are you today? Hi, Julia. I'm doing great. I'm it's really excited to have you on my podcast today. We've been planning this for a little while. And um, yeah, tell us where you are right now. This is always a question where I start with. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, where are you at? Um, what have you been up to today? Yeah. Um, well, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm currently at my uh, house in Redwood City, California. Uh, it is uh, 3.54. Uh, PM California time. Uh, and today I actually did a home project, which is something I don't usually do. Um, but I painted a, a set of bookshelves that I had installed. So feeling good about that. Took a while, but uh, <laughs> always good to do something with your hands. Yeah. Is that one of your stress management tools? Uh, it can be. I actually, uh, I enjoy uh, doing things that take time mm -hmm. and not rushing them. So. Mm -hmm. Any other projects that you have going on that you think of when you think about like doing things with your hands? Um, I've started, um, I, I do a few things. I, I started working with wood. So I uh, cut and uh, make uh, signs. Um, uh, and that's been good because mm -hmm. it keeps your concentration. You know, when you're working mm -hmm. with the saw, you can't get distracted. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah i think uh woodwork has been uh has been good for me and it uh uh it kind of helps kind of focus and take your mind off of, off of things yeah great nice so tell us a little bit more about yourself so for people that are meeting you for the first time um who are you and what have you been up to maybe who was philip 10 years ago maybe five years ago um tell us a little bit more about yourself yeah uh happy to so I'll give you a high level overview. Uh, obviously there's a lot of opportunity to get into detail, but uh, overall um, grew up uh, in Ukraine, uh, uh, born and uh, spent the first 14, 15 years of my life there. Um, and then immigrated with my family to San Diego, California. So high school, uh, sophomore through senior year was in San Diego. Mm -hmm. uh, Uh, then moved up to the Bay Area, went to college at Berkeley, uh, which is where I met my future wife. Um, uh, been married uh, for 14 years. Uh, uh, have three beautiful children. Um, uh, lived uh, uh, on both coasts of the United States, lived in California, uh, lived in Boston, uh, in Massachusetts, uh, and in Connecticut. Um, my wife is a physician, so we. Uh, We went East Coast for her training and my business school. Mm -hmm. um, professionally, uh, I did consulting and sales strategy and operations uh, uh, at Google, which is where I currently work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, lastly, um, I'm also a brief father. Uh, my middle child, Gitel, um, died a little over three years ago in a car accident. So. Uh, that's been devastating. Um, 
and uh, it's a journey I'm on. So that's kind of a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And how old are your kids, the other two? So um, Michael is 10 uh, and Rose uh, is 14 months. So. Nice. That's great. So yeah, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about forgiveness today. Um, I know I remember meeting you um, for the first time when we found out what happened. Um, and, you know, you, uh, you know, obviously it's this extremely sad thing that happened. And I was talking with you and we were all very, you know, all of the colleagues that heard about the accident were devastated and couldn't believe what had happened but more so for just like the outsiders, but you know, for the family of like, how do you deal with something like that with such a big loss? And um, you told me, I remember very well about a book that you were reading at the time and that you actually gave to me as well. And you gave me a copy of the book um, to talk and tell me a little bit more about why forgiveness is so important in our life. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that book made a, huge difference uh, the title is forgive for good uh, by fred loskin um interestingly enough i read the book maybe four or five months before the accident um and um was thinking about forgiveness uh even before then um and so so the question of why forgiveness is important for me uh it became an important um, thing to think about because um, I found myself carrying uh, quite a bit of weight without even realizing it, um, like mental weight. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just be thinking about things that happened in the past um, and they would be weighing me down. Uh, family relationships, um, things that... Uh, you know, happened a long time ago. I couldn't change them anymore. I, but for some reason, I kept thinking about them. And so uh, I, this book came recommended. I started reading it. And it actually broke down the mechanism by which we, uh, we occupy in our mind and kind of create grievances. And basically something happens that you take offense and you take it personally. And then you blame a person for that thing that happened and then you create a story and that that story is inside your head uh, for as long as uh, you allow it to be mm -hmm. uh, and so um, at some point I just it just got to be a little too much for me I was like I actually don't want to it it wasn't productive it wasn't constructive I wasn't doing anything but I was just like keep going over and over uh, uh, about things that frankly should like it shouldn't be relevant anymore right it's been mm -hmm. such a long time mm -hmm. um and so for me uh it's kind of a choice right forgiveness is a choice and it's also something that you don't have to do you know because it's, it, and it it's it has its own timeline it has its own readiness process um, but back then i after i read that book i made a conscious decision that i'm just gonna let those things that were bothering me and this was before the accident i'm gonna let him go mm -hmm. um, uh, i'm going to um, reach out to the people that i held that grievance over 
and actually apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the longest time, for, you know, traditionally you think about, well, why should I forgive if, if the person doesn't apologize or why, why should I? That was a big question for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, my realization was that forgiveness at the end of the day is kind of a selfish thing. You do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and once, it, once I got there, uh, it became very clear what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And did you get the book yourself or was somebody, uh, did somebody recommend the book to you or how, how did that process happen? Because you said that you had started having these realizations that there were some things mentally that were weighing you down. How, how did that happen? Where you, did you get into it yourself or? Yeah, no, it came recommended. I actually okay. went, uh, went out, um, uh, and, um, saw a therapist about some of the issues I was facing and she recommended the book and mm-hmm. I read it and I was like, this is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it did actually turn things around it. Uh, I felt like I shed all this weight, as I said, uh, mm-hmm. because you just kind of like, like, and I no longer think about this. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And you were saying as well, which I think is really, really powerful, that you decided maybe to reach out to some people as well and to apologize on your own terms. Was that, I don't know if you remember, I don't know how long that ago is now, but probably three and a half, four years. Um, did, was that always met with like, you know, with a lot of love or did some people not want to talk to you or how did, how were the reactions from people on your apology? Um, so one person in particular that I reached out to was my brother who I haven't spoken to for, for a while, for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a falling out and, um, he, he was like, yeah, let's reconnect. I mean, I said, I, I'd love to reconnect, um, if you're open to it. And, and he was, um, and, um, it was good because our kids got to, uh, he he had young children. Uh, I had uh, guitar was like two and a half, three at the time. So our kids got to meet. So it was a it was a good uh, good timing, obviously, given what happened mm-hmm. a short few months later. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it it was welcome. I I think it was people were surprised because mm-hmm. I was nobody expected me to do it because and. Because I don't think this was something that uh, was in nature for me. Because I was, I grew up being quite a, I wouldn't say vengeful person, but a person that um, was very righteous. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was very important that people followed whatever whatever values I had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it felt good. I mean, the minute I decided to do it, I you know, it was easy. And the reaction was easy and uh, it felt good. Mm-hmm. And did you, re- did you expect a reaction? I think this is really important as well when we're talking about forgiveness because, you know, you could easily say, okay, now you make this big step of deciding that you're going to apologize to somebody, but maybe that, that other person is not ready to forgive and to, to, get, to, to go down that path. Um, what was, did you have any expectations towards like the reactions of the people that you were reaching out to? No, uh, I did it for me. Right. So I was very, I was very clear why I'm doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because for the longest time I was, um, 
like my mother was encouraging me to 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 uh, to reach out and and I always uh, would say I don't why would I I just didn't see why I would mm-hmm. um, and so my my objective was very clear I did it so that I let it go mm-hmm. right uh, I didn't really I was perfectly fine with whatever outcome right if it was a no fine uh if uh if we are reconnecting great um uh it was me sort of releasing that uh whatever whatever baggage that we had mm-hmm. uh it's over with right and that's that was fully within my control which was you don't need anything else to happen for that for for that release to happen okay uh in my in my case uh we uh we ended up reconciling but um that wasn't uh, that wasn't the, the goal okay yeah and i think that's really important to mention because it shouldn't be about like that other person accepting your apology it's really about releasing your own weight and your own emotions that you're maybe tying to yeah. certain situations or experiences exactly yeah totally. um and i had another question and i'm just trying to think what it was um so yeah so okay so we were talking about you know like obviously that it is really important to forgive um and i always say forgiveness is a stress management tool because when we're talking about stress management we're talking about mental health and when we're having a lot of negative thoughts around situations that have happened to us in the past and we are staying connected to those it puts a lot of weight on us that we're carrying around with ourselves um, and one of the other things that I think is so fascinating is that we also project sometimes maybe those experiences um, or maybe find a characteristic in another person that maybe subconsciously sometimes remember, reminds, of, reminds us of somebody that we are connecting with um, and that we're projecting kind of that, that anger or that frustration or whatever that feeling is that we have actually with another person onto another person. Is mm. it something that you experienced as well, or? Um, give me, give me. An, uh, I can't think of. Um, I'm giving you the easiest example. Yeah. So I've been practicing a lot of forgiveness in my life as well, yeah. and for me, it's been a lot around my family um, because my family, my parents were very. Um, you know, they had a lot of fights when I was growing up. And um, so I, I used to, I, I always say like I knew my parents just having fights with each other constantly. That's yeah. kind of the atmosphere that I grew up in. And then that was kind of that one thing that I, I feel like I'm still forgiving. Like it's, there are still parts, you know, maybe that I'm holding on to subconsciously, even though maybe I don't want to. <laughs> um, but then also I had... Um, um, a couple of relationships with partners where I was cheated on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then going into the next relationship, even though, you know, you don't want to, and people say you should like have a fresh start, obviously you're projecting fears into, uh, into something new. Um, and so I think it's really important to practice forgiveness in order to, uh, to really let that go and not bring kind of the baggage into a next, it can be a relationship. It can also be just a connection with a friend or it could, could even be a relationship with a colleague um, where you might be hanging on to fears and yeah. um, projections or expectations that 
have nothing to do with that actual person. Oh, uh, so first of all, thank you for sharing. And it, it does help clarify. Um, um, absolutely, like, absolutely. The, the baggage that I have growing up, which we all accumulate over time and without necessarily being conscious of what it actually means for who you become, right? At some point you, you get older and you're like, why am I the way I am? Mm-hmm. What, and so uh, I can't say, I think I'm still on this journey and I probably will be uh, of self-discovery, but one, one thing that I sort of uh, came to realize about myself is that I had a hard time trusting people. Uh, for for a long time, and, and that was because I think it was because I was growing up Jewish in Ukraine and had uh, a lot of people uh, like classmates uh, that would not be kind to me. Sometimes bully me. Sometimes I would get into physical fights and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I always were on the lookout, right? And mm-hmm. to your point, it has nothing to do with the person in front of you, you know, years later, it's sort of how you're wired. Uh, mm-hmm. And it does take work to, I think of it as software, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of uninstall some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least make them idle so that they're not misfiring over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my dad died when I was six. That, that was a huge influence on my life growing up without my father, right? Because I had to grow up fast, uh, take on responsibility, but I probably, uh, uh, became too risk averse because I, I wasn't as adventurous because I had all this uh, weight on my shoulders of, you know, having to make something out of myself uh, when we got here. So those things do uh, impact uh, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone has their own events or things that uh, really put an imprint uh, on your mind. And uh, I'm a huge believer in, looking back and uh, forgiveness has a role in that too, you know, kind of letting go, uh, being kind to yourself, not being too hard and, and saying like, okay, that was then. Uh, but you, it does take effort and time to process. Right. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's, that's intention because if you're just going forward and you're getting, it's very hard to, to be reflective that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so is there something from the book that like opened your eyes or can you, do you remember if there was like something specific around what they were talking about that really made you realize that it was super important to forgive and to let go or what well, were there any tools that they were talking about or. Yeah. Um, it's written by a professor that did some work in Ireland, reconciling families from Northern Ireland and Ireland. Uh, the, and these are families that lost children during uh, the war, yeah. right? So they had really good reasons to hate one another, right? Mm-hmm. And he was, his point was, if I could get those two sides to forgive one another on a, something as personal as, you know, your, your child killed, killed my child or vice versa, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's hope for you too. And what I liked about that book is that uh, he broke down the mechanism of forgiveness in three steps. You know, one is taking it personally. The other one is blaming the other person for how you feel. And the third one is telling the story. And mm-hmm. so 
for me, when you have that process and kind of resonate it, you can break the cycle every step of the way, right? Mm -hmm. You could actually uh, uh, work to have less, fewer reasons to forgive because you're not build, you're not creating grievances where you don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, or you can stop telling yourself stories, right? You can break it towards the end. Uh, so that was actually a very helpful kind of like uh, process to internalize. Um, uh, and his, uh, he actually does have a method, uh, and I think there's an abbreviation for it. Uh, I believe it's HEAL, but it has to do with breathing and meditation and mm -hmm. uh, asking yourself uh, a series of questions. And over time, like you, I like the word practice over time. This is something that people uh, come to uh, not right away. Um, and some people never do. Uh, but over time, you get, you get to that release. Uh, and as somebody who's forgiven uh, and uh, hopes to forgive more and more, uh, it makes all the difference because um, it allows you to move forward in a, uh, in a lighter way. You're just, I, I think of it as, you know, you're carrying a backpack full of bricks uh, and it does nothing good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like as well that you are saying it's a process um, because it's not like you set an intention to forgive somebody and then it's done, but it's, you know, because our software has been wired <laughs> for many years um, that it also probably takes a couple of years to unwire that um, in your brain and tell yourself, okay, you know, this is, this is in the past and I can only influence what's in the present and what I'm going to do in the future. And I also, There's, there's this quote um, that basically says, you know, the only prisoner that was really there was myself because I yeah. left myself in prison because I made myself the victim of the whole situation. And every time I pulled that past situation into the present moment, I made myself the victim again. Yeah. Um, and you want to be, and you want to be, I really like the the framing around prisoner you want to be the hero of your story right you want to you want to act out of control and say mm -hmm. i'm choosing to do this and it typically doesn't feel very good to be a victim or to feel like you're like things are being done to you and you have no control and so mm -hmm. um absolutely um and as you kind of for me as i understood how this works i became very conscious about uh, not creating conflict situations that I then have to let go of. Mm -hmm. You know, you almost preemptively say, well, this is not worth it. I'm, I'm just not gonna, mm -hmm. uh, you know, t don't take things as personally, don't blame the other person. And so clearing the runway so that, okay, you're dealing with things in the past and you're very conscious about not creating um, future reasons to forgive. That was actually, as I reflect on what led me to this book, I woke up one day um, and went to work and uh, basically played a big role in creating conflict at work mm -hmm. uh, over some project situation. And I kind of paused and I said, how am I going to, like, I didn't wake up to do this. I didn't wake up to create this conflict, but like, how am I gonna make things better if like, I can't even stop 
you know, Kevin can keep things the same. I just made things worse. And so that was like a big thing. I was like, I need to do something. I need to really understand the way these things work so I don't create uh, these grievances. Yeah. And I like that you bring it into work as well, because we often do that because we're all human beings and we all yeah. have our personal stories. Right. And so we bring that, obviously we have that, we're bringing that baggage to work as well. Um, and there's the same, yeah, there's like the same reflections. I was just looking up the quote. So it is, and um, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. It's by do as need us. Yeah. And, really and to do that, you know, that's just you i mean that's the good news right mm -hmm. you can do that you as a person can do that you actually don't need uh anyone else to help you but it does take practice and you have mm -hmm. to be ready i mean if you're not it's mm -hmm. um and you know for me it was the question why uh, to be ready i needed to have a clear reason for why i'm i need to forgive mm -hmm. uh, but everyone is kind of different that way mm -hmm. yeah for sure so if I may ask, how was the process over the last three years? So you lost a child. Um, and what, what's the process been forgiving that? Because that's... Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, uh, I'm still in my journey. Mm -hmm. um, but one of a couple of things that I continue to carry from from the book and from my approach to forgiveness is um i have this uh, notion of putting things in the vault and basically it's you know it's something that's unresolved that you put somewhere safe and every once in a while you visit it and you mm -hmm. think about it but on your terms right mm -hmm. it's not completely locked you kind of um and so i there's a lot of things I think about, uh, some, of, some of them having to do with me, right? Um, I'm a guitar's father and I have a journey of forgiving myself for a lot of the things that um, you do as a parent, right? Um, and so for me, this concept of a vault where I could actually uh, function and then uh, you know, visit the hard stuff on my own time, in my own space that was huge because i'm a i'm a fairly sequential person so these thoughts in the past would consume me and would actually make me not present at home uh, i would just be thinking I'm, i'm physically there but mentally i'm not there right mm -hmm. and coming from that uh sort that that kind of past um it was very important for me that my mind is I stay present and I continue to be a father for Michael and a husband to my wife. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's been a mechanism that's worked for me. Uh, the important thing is to uh, continue working on it because mm -hmm. uh, the temptation is, okay, you just put it, put it in a vault, you lock it, you never visit it again. I just wanted to ask. Yeah. It, then it's just there. It's not, uh, you're not working through it. Um, but you also don't want to be in the vault all the time because mm -hmm. that's, uh, that could be hard and you're not, um, uh, at least for me, it would be hard to uh, stay present and do all the things I need to do uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been my approach. Uh, uh, it works 
fairly well depending on the day um, mm -hmm. but uh, with uh, with something as devastating as and uh, horrific as child loss um, it's gonna take time and so I don't um, three years is a long time but it's also not a long time at all and so I tell myself uh, can't rush it it's gonna it has its own timeline mm -hmm. um, and I'll get there when I get there, if I get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how has this changed you as a person? Hmm. Um, it's very clear to me that it definitely changed me. Like, I'm a different person um, today. Mm. Um, I think uh, this whole idea of... I've, I've always been a mission, purpose-driven person. But that brought uh, losing Gitel basically put the question of why am I here and what's the point and what am I going to do with the rest of my life front and center. And that's kind of a key question that mm -hmm. um, uh, I think about uh, quite a lot. Um, and a lot of things that used to be important stopped being important. Um, and that was very clear. And so there's there's a shift in identity. Uh, you you take on a new identity. You shed some of the identities that you carried with you. You kind of observe that things that used to excite you no longer excite you. Um, um, uh, you. Do you have an example I, about like you said that there's just things that are suddenly becoming unimportant? Yeah. Um, I mean, the easiest example to give is money. Uh, I did, you know, I, it became very clear for me, to me that working for a paycheck is not enough, right? Like there's gotta be something more, no matter how well compensated I am, that's not going to be uh, what motivates me. And it used to be a very strong motivator for me before, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or power or career ladder, like all of that basically, um, you know, I recently started journaling and I drew a y-axis and an x-axis. X-axis would be time. Y-axis was basically money. And as I go through time, you know, I reached 2019 this year and I basically realized that I want a, I want a new y-axis. You know, that y-axis no longer works for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's just one example. Uh, another example was, is... Uh, very deliberate about how I spend time. I no longer want to spend time uh, on things that are sort of not that interesting or important or spend time with people that I don't find connection with. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of social norms that used to, I used to follow, I no longer follow. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a quite, I think it's a, quite a bit of a transformation. Uh, I haven't fully sort of, internalize all the ways I've changed. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely feel that um, I'm no longer the person I was in 2016. Mm -hmm. not, even, not even close. And so part of me feels that the, what I always had inside of me is just getting amplified. There was like a layer that was stripped and now like I had it and I, like all the things, all my core values are getting front and center. I think that's probably what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it is different. Uh, and, uh, you just have to 
I, I had to accept it because, uh, you know, being, you know, type A ambitious person, I was like, I no longer find that, you know, the things that used to motivate me all that motivating anymore. What am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. right? So it, it's, uh, it, it's a question I, I continue to ponder, but um, the change is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, what about your kids? So you have you uh, you had Michael, who's ten now, and then um, you have a uh, yeah, we had Rose. Um, so how how is that now with your kids? I'm sure you know there's a lot of fears, obviously, um, that are probably connected to to all the things that happened. How are you trying to still be maybe not an overprotective father? Is that even possible after what happened? Or yeah. Um, I do think about that a lot. Um, so my wife um, uh, is overprotective. So I feel like she, she already does that job. So I have the luxury of uh, balancing her out a little bit. Um, but look, as a human being, uh, you are damaged in one of the most vulnerable ways right your child mm -hmm. dies right mm -hmm. um so the thought of it happening again uh is just it, it gets to be too much right so that that is always there mm -hmm. at the same time you don't want your living children to grow up in a bubble you don't want them to be uh, uh you know impacted uh more than they already have been right and michael was in the car uh with Gitel, so he's already traumatized and he's gonna have to go through uh his journey um over time as well so for me um there's certain things that i do to protect myself right um as as a human being would when you get hurt so badly Uh, and that's okay. So, you know, we, because our nanny was driving the car, we don't have nannies, right? So I don't let, uh, I don't let, uh, I typically drive uh, uh, my kids to school, Michael bikes, and we're very careful about, about who gets to drive them. Now, I also realize that that doesn't actually do that much because anything can happen. Okay, so you're driving, but, you know, life is unpredictable and... yeah. Uh, so it's one way where I'm like, I can't have that happen again. Uh, but I allow him to bike, uh, ride his bike, right? Uh, and, you know, that's, that's a risk we take. Uh, and, but he, he loves it. And he, it's a social experience for him with his friends. And, um, you know, the, at the end of the day, the only thing you can do as a parent or the most important thing you can do as a parent is to create a loving environment for your child mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I think we're doing a pretty good job doing that just making sure he feels safe he feels uh, loved um, and and then you just uh, you hope fully realizing that we live in a fragile world uh, and nothing is, is guaranteed um, Uh, so it's every day is a, you know, we're trying to balance those instincts. Uh, obviously I, you, we all want to protect, right. Uh, yeah. 
but uh, you know, Michael Rose is little, so it's not relevant yet for her. But for Michael, you know, he's a little man now, and mm-hmm. I want him to go and explore the world and live a full life. You know. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, what are you most grateful for in your life? I think it, it comes to um, our ability to create a loving environment in, inside our immediate family. Uh, I think feeling loved and being loved is probably the most important thing a human being can experience. Uh, for me, you know, going back, everything good I have inside of me comes from those people that love me growing up. And so I feel my kids are growing up in a healthy, good environment. You know, we have our fights and this and that, but um, overall, uh, I, I think I think the the environment and the family dynamic that we've created is a good one. And I'm very grateful for that because I, I don't take it for granted. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I'm actually curious. I usually ask the question if you have three um, wisdoms or, you know, guidelines or rules that you live by. And I'm curious, actually, if that really changed, um, you know, in the last three years from maybe what would have, I don't know, it's hard to ask this question now, but I, I wonder what would have that been maybe three years prior? Um, and then what, what would they be now for you? Or were they always the same? Yeah, I, I think it, they definitely changed because the, the three kind of guiding principles I have, I've sort of come to them after. I don't actually, I don't know what I would have said if you asked me this question three years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd have to think about that. But I think uh, the big ones for me and with a caveat that I haven't mastered them, right? This is still work in progress. Um, being kind to yourself is a big one. Um, you know, we live in a tough world. There's a lot of people, you know, plenty of people are uh, are not going to give that to you, you know, the kindness. And so... Uh, you got to be your own friend. Uh, you don't have to, but that, that makes life a lot harder. Um, uh, I think to do it if you're kind to yourself, right? Was that? Or it makes it easier if you're kind to yourself. Yeah, and it does. expecting it to come from the external world. It does. It does make it easier um, uh, for, you know, and I, I used to be terrible with that. I used to expect things of myself that were frankly unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And that would... And then I would be very mean to myself for not like mm-hmm. achieving them and uh, fast and all, all that kind of stuff. And so that was a big, big transformation and made, uh, made my path uh, a bit easier, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second one is slowing down. Uh, uh, there's just so many beautiful things around us that, uh, are right there and we don't notice, you know, because we're running too fast. And so I think that that's something I've been trying. It's hard. Uh, it's very hard. I've never done it before. Uh, but noticing things around you and noticing the how beautiful, uh, you know, your surroundings are, uh, uh, that's a big one. Um, and that kind of clears your mind too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the third one is I've prioritized human connection. Um, 
over over many other things because okay? human connection i think is one thing that always works and you know going on a walk with a friend somebody you're safe people people you feel close to people that you feel open with um spending time with people like that uh is uh energizing and um uh you know, just gives you, uh, gives you energy to replenishes you, I would say, because um, there's a lot of things that are going to drain you in life. And so uh, the key question I have, okay, what are some of the things like coping tools that gives you energy? And for me, uh, human connection is at mm -hmm. the top of the list. Mm -hmm. And I actually, uh, I started uh, creating those spaces for myself. Mm -hmm. By you know, I never did that before. I would actually pick up the phone or and call or text and say, "Hey, let's go hang out." Mm -hmm. um, um, and that's been helpful. And I love that you said it's a work in progress because we always, 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 always optimize, and we have every day the chance to do better, right, or to yeah. to practice again what what we are believing in and the values yeah. that we have. So. Sometimes you lose sight of it. You yeah. lose sight of your coping tools and then you kind of like regroup and go back to it. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, sometimes you feel like you've learned a lesson and then you forget the lesson. You're like, okay, I'm starting from scratch. But mm -hmm. that, uh, that happens. Uh, so uh, yes, I think work in progress is a good caveat because it keeps you, it, it's part of actually goes back to self-kindness. You don't, consider yourself an expert you know yeah and forgiveness as well everything is a yeah. work in progress right yeah yeah totally. yeah um is there a book besides the one that we already talked about um that has been kind of your maybe guiding star or that you've been reading multiple times over because you find it so relatable hmm. let me try to pick one um for me uh the book uh, that really helped was um it's called when uh bad things happen to good people mm -hmm. um it's not i used i thought it was why bad things happen to good people it's when bad things happen it's written by uh, a rabbi harold kushner i think is his last name And he talks about, you know, the randomness of life. And because one thing that you, I struggled with was when something terrible happens, um, uh, you go to two places. You either blame yourself, or I must have done something wrong to deserve it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've, I went there. Um, or, you know, you start, Uh, depending on your degree of religiosity, you start getting into the narrative of God's plan. It's meant to be. Um, and he was a rabbi. He, the author is a rabbi. So he, he has obviously religious expertise. So, mm -hmm. and that's not a very kind um, way to think about it because, you know, you want, you know, whoever you lost, you want them next to you. You don't want them to be uh, wherever they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to think that, you know, somebody decided that they're they're gone now at least that wasn't comforting for me and so he talks about uh 
uh, randomness of life and uh, how how uh, how we have a choice on what to do when things happen. But the question of why things happen the way they happen is kind of an unanswerable question. And that's one thing that I've decided for myself. I worked so hard to kind of figure out why. And then I said, I'd rather not have an answer than have, mm -hmm. than have answers that are offered. Mm -hmm. And I kind of left it there. And mm -hmm. so you live with, without an answer, but that's, that's better for me at least than, you know, uh, you know, have answers that are offered. I, I, I never found comfort in those. Mm. And that's so powerful. I'm just thinking that, you know, you unfortunately cannot always choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you react to it, right? That's your only power that you have. That's your, you know, that's your, um, the area of, of yeah. power that you have, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I talk about that as a stress management tool actually as well of like, 10% is what life happens or gives you. And then 90% is what you make out of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really powerful to think about it that way. And to always remind ourselves constantly that not everything is great and fair and rainbows and butterflies, what happens to us, but we can, we can choose what we make out of it. We can yeah. choose to continue to live or to make ourselves miserable for the rest of our lives. Right. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that um and i think it's you know one thing that i've been practicing is just whatever emotions you feel let it let it flow right mm -hmm. and so um uh, as a human being you're allowed to feel whatever you're feeling mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's going to be times for decisions there's going to be times for uh making you know logical choices and there's going to be times for just pain and suffering suffering mm -hmm. and grief mm -hmm. um and it doesn't feel like you're choosing that i think it, it, that feels like it's just flowing through you and that's okay mm -hmm. um, um but um but over time over time you do get longer long longer periods of time where you get to make choices mm -hmm. um And those choices uh, aren't like one thing I'll share. Like it was a choice that we made to not sue anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a, we had plenty of lawyers that were telling us you can sue this company and this and this. And we said, this is not how we're going to spend our time mm -hmm. uh, because that would consume me. The mm -hmm. lawsuit would consume me. And mm -hmm. I, knowing myself, I wouldn't be able to be a parent. So that's a choice. Uh, that uh, that I made and my wife made that I think was an important choice um, because it kind of it, everything would have been different mm -hmm. had we taken the other fork of that decision. Of course, so. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think yeah. that's really it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, has it been a last question? I'm really curious about that. Actually, I mean, you are a man. So, you know, kind of dealing with those kind of emotions and feelings, um, how has that been for you? Have you, you know, and, you know, I think you said as well that before the accident, you were a little bit of a different person and it was a big transformation for you. But how do you deal with maybe being more in touch with your own emotions? Has that been hard for you? Like, 
do you think it's been powerful for you to do to actually go through that process i think i've always um i've always been uh fairly in tune um i mean i have always uh acted on it or been uh smart about what i do about it but i've i've always been in tune with what i'm feeling um um and and sharing and kind of talking about things i think part of it had to do with uh being um when i was a kid uh i spent a lot of time with my grandmother and my grandmother would share a lot of things with me and i would share a lot of things with her so i've always i found this power of sharing and confiding and being somebody's confidant very important um uh But yeah, I think uh, you're right to call out um, that men, uh, and I, I don't mean to generalize, but there, there are actually a lot of studies uh, around loneliness and uh, keeping things in, inside and not sharing. And there's, you know, there's an expectation, mm -hmm. uh, societal expectation, mm -hmm. and that's that adds uh, weight to. Men, because they're human beings too, obviously, and they have problems. And yep. um, and so one of the things that I spend a lot of my time thinking about is how how do we break through that? Uh, I mentioned human connection, you know, and sharing. And mm -hmm. there's there's the shared experience that you're not alone and in, in dealing with mm -hmm. uh, some of the hardest things. But sometimes it feels very lonely, right? And so. Um, breaking through that is important um, and I think because I think gender is a spectrum you know I think I've always kind of been uh, I, I don't know if I'm in the middle but I've always been sort of very comfortable with sharing my emotions and speaking my truth and uh, I like that about myself that's a good thing Philip, thank you so much um, for this honest um, podcast interview. I really, I'm really happy that I had you and um, I'm really grateful that you shared this. I know that it's probably not easy um, to talk about and yeah, I'm really grateful that you shared your story with us and hopefully some people that are listening to this will find comfort in, in what we talked about today. Julia, thank you so much for having me uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure.